Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Going to talk some USC Trojan football. You still had some questions coming in about the USC Trojans getting ready for Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. So I wanted to talk about that, answer some of your questions, talk about the first week of preparation uh, for USC heading into the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State. About a touchdown underdog uh, in that game. So we'll talk about that. We got to see the team and some news and stuff going on uh, at USC. So I'll talk about all that kind of stuff. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address where you can give us a call or a text. That's at 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. We do appreciate all the texts, all the calls. All the uh, emails that you guys have sent in. Uh, if you want to let us know who you want them to be for, Dan, Car- Coach Harvey Hyde, for Gerard, for our recruiting podcast, and myself, Keely and Shotgun, do their Family Feud podcast. So when you send us an email or whatever, let, let us know who you want to who you want to address your question or concern, and we will do our best to filter it to the right person and get it on the right show. Okay, so before we jump into everything, I just wanted to thank our sponsor for today, uh, Lisa Beds. So go to Lisa, L-E-E-S-A dot com slash USC if you want to get more information about this. But it's an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also socially conscious. So they're driven by a mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. And they'll donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell through their 110 program. So over 22,000 mattresses have been donated so far. And they also plant... A tree for every mattress sold, and they donate 1% of each of their employees' time to volunteers for local charity, for local causes. So really cool stuff with Lisa Beds. Uh, I got mine a few weeks ago, and it's really interesting the way it comes to your house. It's like this box that you would, I don't know, get like golf clubs in or something, and then you open it up, and it's a, and I got a queen-size mattress, and uh, it's like folded in half and shrink-wrapped. You know, it's like really compressed, uh, like all the air sucked out of it, and then you kind of pop it open, and and put it on the bed, and it has been really cool to sleep in. It's got, you know, it's got dual purpose. I'm uh, rearranging, well, redoing all of my closets, so we had to throw everything on the bed. So it's it's holding a lot of clothes right now, but much better to sleep on. That's probably what you would want it for. You can try it in your home for a hundred nights, uh, risk free, and it's always free shipping. So pretty cool stuff there. Um, it's available in the United States, in uh, United Kingdom, in Canada, in Germany. And they're also, they're going to expand offerings to include, there's a, a Lisa Pillow, Blanket Foundation, and Frame. All of that is available online with free shipping. So 100 nights free, no risk there. It's pretty cool. And what we're going to do is, for all of our Peristyle Podcast listeners, you get $100 off uh, the Lisa mattress using the, the URL below right here, lisa.com slash USC, L-E-E-S-A dot com. Slash USC. So go check out the Lisa bed. I love mine. It's uh, pretty cool. And yeah, the, the way it comes to your door, it's just like so different than uh, anything else. <laughs> it's like if you ordered 
like I said, like if you order some golf clubs or something, like you know, and that's the box is like, oh, there's a mattress inside. Um, okay, so let's roll into the show. I uh, wanted to first start talking about USC bowl prep, and the Trojans were back on Howard Jones Field this week. So, and we saw. So here's the thing: we saw them in full pads for the first time since mid October. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, talked to a few players about putting full pads on. So if you don't know, so what happens is during the week, usually USC will have a Monday practice that uh, we're not allowed to go to. Um, pretty light um, for what we were told. Then on Tuesday is supposed to be the big day practice, the the most hitting, and that's usually when they put on full pads. Wednesday will be like a half pads day. Still can be pretty physical, but just no, uh, no full pads. And then uh, kind of they, they taper down. Thursday, they have a closed practice, but we can talk to Clay Helton afterwards. It's much lighter. And Friday's more of a walkthrough, and then they play a game on Saturday, typically. Um, so, but beginning, they call it no pads November. Beginning of November, they usually don't do the full pads day on Tuesday. They, you know, kind of lighten things up. Well, it, you know, there was a, they actually started out a little bit early. So I think it was like the third week in October, they started doing the no pads thing because it was like the final four games. It's really supposed to be for the final four or five games, and USC had a bye week in the last week, so they didn't do that. Now, we thought they might jump back into full pads for the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, they did not, but I was surprised. This week, Tuesday, they did, so it was nice. I think Clay Helton you know, knew that the players had some time off. Uh, it was probably a good idea to get out there. That's what we've kind of been saying on the show for a while. Um, so pretty cool that they did that. You know, had A uh, little tip of the cap to... Uh, to Clay Helton, and it just changed the attitude a little bit. Now, they weren't tackling to the ground or anything like that, and I've, this is what I've been saying on the show, like, put full pads on and maybe do a goal line thing or something and, um, you know, change the attitude up a little bit. So, and next week should be some more physical practices. They're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning. I'm guessing one of those days will be full pads as well. We'll see. And I'll have some time off for Christmas, and then uh, they head to... Uh, the Cotton Bowl, they head to Dallas, so it's uh, it's going to be here before you know it. Clay Helton was saying. So I, I anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I thought that was a really good idea to do some full pads uh, this week. So they're back uh, practicing, getting ready for Ohio State. Lots of praise for how athletic and how good of a team Ohio State is. We'll see how athletic and how good of a team USC looks. Last time they played a uh, perennial power in the AT and T Stadium. Jerry's world. Uh, it was not pretty against Alabama. We'll see. It's a much different USC team now, and you got Sam Darnold uh, running the show, so uh, should be very interesting. Okay, well, let's jump into uh, the questions here, and we're going to start with Jim B. He said, "Great podcast, love the show." Well, thank you, Jim. Somebody high up must feel there's a good chance that Sam is coming back. Why do I think that? I'm just looking at the situation. JT Daniels has already said he isn't coming in 2018. I don't see them recruiting another quarterback this year. Even if they did, I don't see any great ones uh, still left. Who could make an impact as a freshman? If they wanted a transfer, Shea Patterson would have been the best candidate, yet they didn't really pursue him very hard. That leaves Fink and Sears. I don't think Fink will take them to the promised land. Sears has yet to even be on the field in a real game, even if they thought one of those two were the guy, you still need more than two quarterbacks. They have to be making some plans for quarterback in 2018. That's why I think somebody higher up must think that Sam is coming back. What say you? Fight on Jim B. 
All right, Jimby. So we had a, a premium recruiting podcast on Wednesday that you should certainly listen to. And we talk about this uh, in a little bit more detail. And I think we're going to talk about more about this in the war room tomorrow for our subscribers on uscfootball.com. Um, I would say no. Like, I don't think the hires up know uh, exactly what's going on with Sam Darnold yet, in my opinion. Uh, they do have a quarterback plan. And all of the details of the plan have not come to light yet. Uh, we're, From what we understand, we're not really at liberty to say what's going on there, but I do not feel that they know one way or the other about Sam Darnold. My personal opinion is he does not know yet. He'll consider things. You know, I think even this game could have a, an impact on, on what he decides, but um, yeah, I, I see the theory and I've, I've heard people talk about that before. I would uh, disagree, but that's just me. Bob, he said, Hey guys, Bob from Las Vegas, just debating why Alabama is in the playoff with my buddies. And the only thing we can come up with is politics. Uh, okay, so he's not talking. You know, so he was talking about the Alabama being in the playoff with his buddies. Anyway, without a side, uh, where would you, uh, where would the top ten teams be if the rankings were using the good old BCS rankings? I would be willing to bet Bama would not be at four. Thank you for the podcast. It's my highlight of the week, Bob. Okay, Bob. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at that BCS formula and all those computer polls and stuff for a while i kind of think they would still be there um or pretty close so here's here's the big situation you know the, the big problem is if you look at just hey usc beat these teams um they're 11 and 2 they won the pac 12 they should be ahead of uh 11 and 1 alabama who didn't even make who didn't even win their division um people watch <laughs> And when you watch Alabama, they had one bad game and they lost to Auburn. They had a couple close games and pretty much everyone else they just handled very like they looked like the way they were supposed to look. And like it or not, USC didn't look the way they were supposed to look. They didn't look like a team. I mean, they didn't look like a team that was eleven and two and won the Pac twelve. Now they won all those games. So they were eleven and two, but you didn't look like it. And I think that's part of the problem. You have People that watch the games, even on the Pac-12 network and all that stuff, um, and they're just not seeing USC be that way. And then I think if you look at, I'm not a huge advanced stats guy, and I, I promised myself I was going to try to dig into that more this year, and I have not. But if you look at the like the S&P Plus rankings and stuff, I believe Alabama is four, and USC is like 20th or something. So using like the advanced metrics, um, USC is just not ranked that high compared to these other teams. So. Some of those formulas people look at and, and use, and if you just watch the games, like, yeah, yeah, Alabama didn't, it's about, uh, I think, uh, so my buddy Bruce and Stu uh, on the the Audible podcast were talking about being uh, worthy, um, what was it, I think they said it was, like, the, the best teams or the most worthy teams. So, so USC has a lot of points on the worthy side because of what they've done winning the Pac-12 and all that. But it's like on the best team side, is it really there? And they were, they gave a reference, I think it was to Iowa and Michigan State played each other a couple years ago for the Big Ten Championship, and the winner was getting in no matter what. Now, neither resume was all that impressive, and Michigan State comes into the playoff and gets absolutely rolled. So they had on merit, because they won the Big Ten and all that, um, they were a worthy team. 
But if you looked at them, if you were judging on the best teams, a lot of people wouldn't have said that they were one of the best teams, but they were worthy. So USC, I think, had like worthy points, but not necessarily best team points. And um, Alabama had enough worthy points and best team points and all that. That you know, and it's a committee that's changed their minds quite a bit. Um, how they, uh, ju- you know, um, judge uh, these teams. Sometimes it's about worthiness. Sometimes it's about um, what they feel is the best team. So this year they lean more towards they feel that they're the better team, um, not necessarily the most worthy. But you could argue with most worthy as well. So I, I don't think it's politics. I just think it's you look at that you're know, like you've seen them be really good before. They were really good most of the year. Now, they only had to play eight conference games, and USC and Ohio State both played 10. Um, but USC and Ohio State got absolutely thumped um, by Midwestern teams, you know, by Iowa and Notre Dame. So I, I think if USC would have beat Washington State, they'd be in. But th- that second loss, and we haven't seen a team make the playoff with two losses, right? So uh, that's part of the reason, too. Robin in Virginia, if you do another podcast before the Cotton Bowl, Robin, we're going to do like 10 podcasts before the Cotton Bowl. Could you please follow up? Uh, oh, this, oh, so this is um, so this was actually for Dan, but I'll talk about this. Could you follow up with Dan on why Larry Scott would rather have parity than excellence? He'd rather handicap the best teams and have them all uh, be just good than a couple that are great. USC runs the Pac-12. They make all the money from the national championships and Rose Bowls, and they have to split it evenly with bottom feeders like Cal, Oregon State, and Colorado. USC is unhappy, so they leave. The conference just lost their most successful and powerful team. So what does Larry Scott do now other than he uh, gets his parity? Thanks and fight on, Robin in Virginia. Yeah, and that's why I've been talking about, Robin, um, USC exploring independence. Uh, and I went on. John Wilner does a great job for the San Jose Mercury News. He saw my tweet last week and asked me to come on his podcast. So if you want to check it out, the hotline. I think he calls it College Football Hotline, but you can John Wilner on Twitter. You can go find him, and uh, he tweeted out the show. So I talk pretty in-depth about all that. I don't think in the long term – I mean, I think if USC would at least explore it, that's going to be the best for everybody, uh, even the rest of the Pac-12, because just exploring it, you can force some changes in the Pac-12 that would help all the teams, not just USC. But my personal opinion is if USC explored it, and they would probably find out that they could double their television revenue just by doing it. So there's there's problems, but there's a lot of things you can fix by making a lot more money and controlling your own destiny and not being tied to the Pac-12, like you said, that um, you know is hurting its teams make it into the playoff and would rather have parity than than greatness at the top. And it could be, you know, we've seen so many different teams win the Pac-12 slash Pac-10 back in the day. Any of those teams, like you're hurting all of them, anyone that makes a run, you know. Let's go. Paul in Vegas. After the bowl game, you sound like returning Reggie to good graces of USC might be one of your pet projects. It is. Uh, judging from the peristyle, most of your members are supportive with a minority adamantly against. So no consensus is in sight. That said, have you ever done a petition for one of your uh, causes to present to the appropriate powers that be? Paul in Vegas. No, I'm not a real big petition guy. I did. There was one. uh, The guys at Traveler Hates Thursdays started one on Twitter uh, that I signed and retweeted and stuff. But I'm not a big uh, petition guy myself. I'd rather, you know, I have a platform 
and I talk about it on my platform and it, you know, people hear what we talk about. So the power to be can hear what, what we think. Um, and you know, does it work all the time? I don't know. I was harping on, Hey, just give a padded <laughs> full pads practice. Uh, you don't have to hit, you know, tackle to the ground. You could have one. And they did one. Um, so I don't know, like maybe you say it enough times and someone's like, you know what, we should probably just do this or they have no idea. And they just did it randomly on their own. Like, you know what, what you can say, but we know coaches, administrators, administrators, listen, watch. I mean, Clay Helton would walk out of the tunnel after a game and talk to Dan and Keeley about what they're going to say on instant analysis today. So it's not like they don't know what we're talking about. Now, they don't obviously don't have to listen, but we, you know, we hear a lot of your questions. We repeat a lot of them. We answer them and our opinions and they hear kind of what the fan base is saying through the stuff that we say. Cause we get so, I mean, our, these podcasts are pretty much all questions from you guys. So um, they're hearing what the fan base is saying and, you know, maybe that has some sort of impact. So that's kind of what I do as far as this is my platform. And I, I talk about what I think and, as far as like petitions and stuff, that's really not uh, me. But we'll see what happens there. I'll, I'll definitely try to talk to Lin Swan or whatever, and, and over the uh, summer try to get him, or over the winter break and stuff, and spring or whatever, and try to get him on the record talking about Reggie if they have any plans. Don said, "Was OJ able to vote for Heisman nominees while inca- incarcerated?" Good question. I have no idea. Um, no idea what I mean. So the voting, it, you have to get like emails and stuff, uh, like multiple emails. One email that has like a password, one that has like a login. It's uh, you know, and they send you like material to your house because you know, I'm a I'm a voter. Um, there's like 900 something Heisman voters, and but all the former winners are voters. Now a lot of the former winners are fighting with the Heisman Trust because they feel like they don't have enough say in what's going on and charities. I just read a bunch about that. So there's some a rift between the Heisman Trust and uh, and the former winners and, and Gary Beeman, who had he didn't show up for the Heisman ceremony. It was 50th anniversary, the UCLA, the only UCLA Heisman winner. He didn't show up, and his son wrote a story about it. And uh, you can go Google that and check it out if you want. But as far as I mean, I don't I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't. Um, I mean, they, they don't ask you like, are you incarcerated or whatever? But if I don't know if he would have access to emails and stuff while he's in jail, because that's kind of how you have to do things. You have to be online and do it that way. And how much, how many games can you watch? But I, I don't think that's precluding him from voting. It would just be, could they get it to him? Um, so we'll see. I don't know. So for writers, we do have like a handler that'll call me like once a year and ask me if I'm still doing the same job. And this is a really nice old guy. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of try to keep track of all the voters, make sure they vote, you know, make sure I'm going to vote and all that kind of stuff. I don't know who talks to the former winners or how they get set up. I assume it's a similar sort of situation, but um, I really don't know. He said, Reggie was ordered to give back his his back, and OJ is, st- is still a voter. The NCAA has their own views on social values. Congratulations to Jack Jack. Great talent, great interviews, great attitude. Who are the AP voters? Don. Okay, so... For Reggie, he wasn't ordered to give it back. He offered to. Um, and the NCAA doesn't run the Heisman. So that's not, it's a whole different thing. So that's not, the NCAA didn't make him do that. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of different. As far as Jack Jones goes, 
Yeah, so the AP is is a bunch of AP writers, and they vote on their uh, All American teams and stuff. And so Jack Jones had four interceptions, so that's why. Just that's kind of a numbers thing more than a. They're not watching every game and, and kind of picking away that way. All right, thanks, Don. Uh, Six Brave Bulls said, all of these coaches leaving programs for our other programs after only one year makes me puke. Can you comment on this? Um, so I think most of these situations, it's like a dream job scenario, like Lane Kiffin leaving Tennessee, um, Willie Taggart going to Florida State. I mean, he grew up in Florida, huge Florida State fan. He told a story about when he was coaching uh, Southern Florida, what, South Florida? Yeah, South Florida against Florida State. His own brother was still rooting for Florida State. They're all big Florida State fans. So that's like a dream thing. Like a Todd Graham leaving Pitt after one year, I don't think that was like a dream job. Then they fire him after uh, what could have been Coach of the Year season. Uh, there's a few others, but it's it's certainly not a great situation for the kids uh the you know you're going to be lying to kids when you do that kind of stuff and Willie Taggart had to do that um you you know so much changed uh shake up and you know at least at Oregon they're going to you know keep Mario Cristobal and try to keep some of the continuity there so that should help some of the kids but yeah i don't think it's like the worst thing in the world but i think a lot of times it's unavoidable if it's like I mean, it's not unavoidable, but it's, you're talking about, this is a dream job, once in a lifetime opportunity. It's hard to begrudge someone from doing that. So if you took a brand new job, whatever your field is, and then a year later, like the ultimate job for you that you've wanted your entire life opens up, do you feel bad leaving after a year? I don't know. I mean, I I think a lot of people, you kind of have to take that chance if you're, you know, most situations. I, uh, Way back in the day, my engineering days, I was working at Hughes Aircraft Company and they had a fellowship program. They paid for my master's while I was going to USC. And uh, like pretty much soon after, like as soon as it ended, I think I had a year, like you had to stay like a year or something. And I stayed a year afterwards. So I was at the company like three years, but I got a job offer in Silicon Valley to like double my salary. And it's like, yeah, you feel bad, but I mean, you're talking about changing your life. And I think for Willie Taggart, that's changing his life by taking the Florida State job. So hard to begrudge there. Will, uh, this is from Bill. What is Matt Fink's health status as backup quarterback? I noticed Jack Sears was dressed out for the Pac-12 championship game. Don't want to burn a red shirt for one game, do we? Uh, No, so Fink's fine now. Uh, There was some question about the championship game, and I think – he would have been okay to play, at, you know, something happened to Sam Darnold. Um, but he's fine. He's out there getting the second team reps now in bowl prep. So no problems there. Rigo in West Hills. Uh, we knew there would be some changes on the staff, but now we know for sure we need a quarterback coach. I went ahead and did some research for Helton and Swan. I think we should try to pull Mike uh, Yurchich, uh, OC and quarterback coach, out of Oklahoma State. Uh, the Cowboys have been a top 10 in passing offense the last two years. And this year, they're number one passing offense, number two in total offense. It might be challenging to get Mike with still with T still in the OC role. However, we know that T is ready to leave as soon as a good opportunity opens up. So we could bring Mike on knowing that as soon as T leaves, uh, T leaves, I like that, he would take over as the offensive coordinator. Plus, Mike should know that he has a better chance at a national championship with USC than with the Cowboys. We also know... We need a new DB coach. I don't think we know that yet. Boston College has the fourth 
best passing efficiency defense and tied for third in interceptions. Should we look at their DB coach, uh, Anthony uh, Campanelli, I think his name is. Uh, any thoughts on who else you think should be recruited for the staff or be recruiting for the staff? Rigo and West Hills. Um, okay, so you're talking about bringing in like a top level, you know, top power five offensive coordinator to come and be the quarterback coach. I don't think that's happening. I think you go out and try to get the best quarterback coach possible, uh, sort of what you did with Dylan McCullough, uh, you know, at a running back coach. So if, if you want to bring, I don't think he's going to take a demotion. I don't know. Uh, I don't know this coach, Mike, your, your sitch. Um, I don't know him at all. I don't know what his connections are. Um, so having said that, I think it would be hard to get an offensive coordinator to come and just wait for T Martin to leave. T Martin, we talked to Tuesday and he was like all, all aboard staying like, yeah, I'm here. My wife loves it here. Um, I think he would go for a, I think he would have had coordinator and had coordinator opportunities other places. He would like to be a head coach again, hard to begrudge him for that. So um, there wasn't any head coaching opportunities. Maybe there's one next year, but I don't think a guy like that would leave as far as the other coaches. Um, yeah, I think there's some other coaches that probably need to be upgraded, uh, coaching positions that need to be upgraded. I haven't looked, uh, especially at ones that aren't open yet. I haven't even looked at the quarterback one yet. So sorry, Rigo, I can't really help you like with specific dudes, but I would recommend following the Dylan McCullough hire and not following the many, many other hires we've seen where it's a friend of a friend or a family member or whatever. It's just like, that's too lazy for me. And, it, you know, I don't, I don't think it can't work. It works sometimes, but it's just been happening so often at USC. These, you know, nepotistic hires. It's just go out and get someone that you don't know that's a really good coach at whatever you need. So you needed a running back coach. Dylan McCullough is that and didn't have any USC connections. He's excited to be recruiting from USC, coming from Indiana, but he develops players. Uh, they His guys didn't fumble the ball. Ball security was a, a real big deal for him running through tackles, their yards after contact was was huge. So I think it was it paid off uh having Dylan McCullough come in. So and I you know I'm sure Clay Hilton obviously sees that. So you need a quarterback coach, go out and get a real good one from somewhere. Um not necessarily, you know, if you want to get an offensive coordinator, maybe it's like the Eastern Washington offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. Now I don't even know who that is. I'm just saying like as a that type of program might come and be just the quarterback coach. It would be like maybe offensive coordinator and waiting but not like at a Oklahoma state or something like you can't, you know, I, I think that's, it's obviously it's a move up, but it's not a big enough move up that you would drop down from a coordinator to just a quarterback coach. My opinion, Marcel in San Gabriel Valley, since Tim Brown and others are boycotting the Heisman presentation this year, are there any former Trojans who are also against the current board of directors? Uh, what impact will this boycott have on the prestige of the trophy? And what is USC's position on the complaints of former winners, Marcel and San Gabriel Valley. Marcel, so I have not um, talked with any of the former Heisman winners. I mean, I talked to a couple like uh, Marcus Allen and uh, uh, Matt Leinart and stuff. Like we could ask them. Um, I, I Marcus does a bunch of commercials like for he, like Heisman stuff. So I don't think he's going to be against it. Um, I didn't. I didn't watch the I'm, I'm you know, I vote, but I didn't watch the ceremony because you knew it was going to win. I watched parts of the beginning, but um, I didn't see what USC players were there. So I don't know what their stance is on this. And honestly, I don't know a whole lot about 
the complaint. I just read that one article. I kind of saw it. I was like, oh. Um, but a lot of it with the Heisman Trust is they're not giving enough back to charity. The, the, former, the former winners would love a seat on the board uh, of the trust. So they would have some sort of say. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of communication between the trust and the winners, and they're concerned about the prestige of the trophy. We've seen the ratings of it go down uh, every year for like the last decade. They did put a, a notice out a few years ago and lost a bunch of voters that we weren't allowed. We're not allowed to discuss who we're voting for. So you can't like, I can't tweet out like, Hey man, Baker Mayfield's good, but I think Bryce Love's going to win the Heisman or whatever. Or, you know, I can't do that. So we are not allowed to, and they'll reprimand you. They could take your vote away. Um, so I know Dennis Dodd wrote a, a piece about it like four or five years ago when they did that, that kind of created a bunch of buzz and there were polls out the stiff arm trophy had a poll and uh so all that stuff you know maybe that contributes to it um i i tweeted out like hey why don't you uh have a ceremony where we saw what reggie bush did on the field and 2018 heisman ceremony we're giving reggie bush his heisman back he volunteered to give it back we would like him to have it you know um Something like that would give you get a lot of ratings, and I think help the prestige of the the, the trophy. So, um, yeah, so those were kind of my ideas, but I don't know enough about uh, like if Matt Liner cares or or uh, Marcus Allen. But I, you know, maybe I'll try to next time I talk to those guys, I'll try to reach out to them and see. Dan, class of nineteen sixty two, thanks for all that you and your crew do for the podcast to keep us informed about USC athletics, especially football. As we look back at our 11-win season and forward to the Cotton Bowl next year, I have two questions. We have many terrific skill athletes. So what is John Baxter doing to find a punt returner? Have Pittman, John, Joshua Torbebe, Randall Grimes, Cook, Young, Joseph Lewis, etc. been given a chance to win the position from Harris. Pittman especially is fearless as a receiver. Yeah, we've seen a bunch of guys kind of you know, it's not just one guy taking reps, returning punts. Like, and you know, they're usually doing this, especially early in practice uh, and early in camp and everything. Lots of dudes get back there. Not as many guys now. Um, and you know, we've seen Jack Jones do it. We've seen, but he was getting too many special teams reps already. Seen Tyler Vaughn's a little bit. I don't know why they haven't got back to him. Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And sometimes coaches can get really stubborn, and they hear. Uh, complaints and it's like they want to prove the stuff like the all the complainers wrong and keep doing what they're doing even though it's not working and I, I almost like if you like I think David Shaw did this completely at the Oregon State game go back and watch that if it comes on Stanford at Oregon State Bryce Love was hurt they're still still starting Keller Christ and KJ Costello though had been playing he'd been coming in and, and getting reps and stuff and the Stanford offense was struggling. And he wasn't putting in Costello. And the halftime reporter, I think it was Jill Savage, said, asked him if he was going to put in KJ Costello at some point. Because I think they were they were definitely losing at the time to Oregon State, who's god-awful. And uh, he kind of gave this smirk, like, we'll see. And he never played him the whole game. And it was like, there was other games where he just played and he was playing. You know, the game was close, but he, they would play both quarterbacks. He was just like so stubborn about it, like trying to prove to everybody that he could win. What there wasn't, he wasn't injured. It was just like a stubborn coaching moment. 
And I think that's what we're seeing here with Jenny Harris, who I love and a great dude. But there's been so many mistakes. Like you can't keep putting him in that position. It's not fair to the, the player. So I don't know. Second question, what players who didn't play much this year will be more involved next year? A lot of great players like Cook, Bolden, Pollard uh, were nowhere to be seen this year. Thanks for all you do. Keep us informed and allow us to rant about coaching and Pac-12 shortcomings. Dan, USC class of 1962. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Not, It's just hard to tell at this point. We need to see which guys leave early. There's so many factors in play. I would think Joseph Lewis would be a bit more of a factor. Him, either him or Randall Grimes, I think, will be more of a factor in the offense. Um, on, on you know, in the passing game, Stephen Carr will probably move into like the you know feature role. We've seen a lot of them this year. Um, maybe Olawale Batiku. So, you know, maybe Levi Jones. I don't think Jamel Cook. He's from. Southern Florida, it just doesn't seem like it's going well. My guess is Jamel Cook's not going to be on the team next year. Just guessing. Like, that's nothing from what I heard. But um, So I wouldn't count on him seeing a lot of playing time. Now, who knows? Maybe things turn around uh, and uh, they, you know, there's something that's not right with Jamel Cook. We've never been able to figure it out. Oh, we got one last one. Mark, just a suggestion for a topic that might be of interest. Take the draft eligible underclassmen and review their grades by pro football focus by game and see if any of them grade out elite might even bring in a scout or two that Mark, that's actually a really good idea. And uh, before I forget, I'll send that off to uh, Chris Trevino, maybe have him work on that a little bit. I want to do more of the pro football focus, um, but uh, I just haven't, I just haven't had time. So uh, that's a really cool tool that we have at our disposal now. And we've done some, uh, pieces and, and Chris has done some great pieces on that, but I will send that over to him. I think that would be really interesting. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Just kind of short show today to, to finish off some of the questions, talk about USC getting ready for Ohio state. Uh, thanks so much for sending in your questions. We do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy your day. I'm going to do a little kind of a strange thing today. Um, it's not strange, I guess, but I just kind of got the feeling like, you know what? I want to have like a give back day. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving, give thanks and everything. And we're in the holidays now. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, all that stuff. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to do like a give back day. So I wanted to spend like a whole day just like doing random nice acts or just people I didn't know, whatever it is. And, uh, so I'm starting that. I, I was, well, I was going to, I started kind of last night. I made cookies, uh, for, I'm going to bring to the, like the local fire department and, and police department. Um, but I had to do this podcast today, so I was like, I have to take a little chunk of my give back day. I'm going to get up early and, and do the podcast. Uh, but I did do the cookies last night, so I think it, you know the time will wear out. But uh, yeah, so I'm just going to go out and, and do that today. So if you're out and about and you want to do something nice for somebody, it doesn't hurt you. Just do something nice. Try to make the world a little bit better place. Uh, just thought that would be a nice day to do something like that. So that's what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to get this up. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. 
This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 